Hi everyone, I'm Amal. I'm the co-founder of Steps to Flourish and I'm here with Maria, who's part of the Steps to Flourish education team. Hi, uh, Maria, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, so I graduated with a um, Bachelor of Arts Honors degree in psychology from the University of Guelph. Um, and I joined Step to, Steps to Flourish back in October as the Director of Education. So all of the social media posts that you guys see, um, I usually create those and then I come up with the resources um, that we provide on our website. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much there, all there is to know about me. Um, thank you for that. So we'll be talking about in this podcast about how to get into like a master's program or a graduate program. There's like a few questions that we had that we wanted to ask you. So the first one will be how do you apply for like graduate school and what is the process? Sure. So um, the process really depends on what you're interested in and um, how long you really want to spend in a graduate degree. So what I did for my graduate program, I haven't gotten in yet, but I went through this entire process over the past year, is that you a year before you plan on applying, what I would really suggest is go online, research the programs that you're interested in, and then look at how long um, the programs are, what your career options could be after you're done. And then what, another thing that's really important that a lot of people forget is um, what are your options of making money while you're also studying? Because you do need to fund your education and doing a job alongside a graduate program is often very difficult. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I would suggest researching um, before you plan on applying. So this would be before your like a year before the application deadline, or even more if you're um, if you're really passionate about it. And then the next things that you have to really look at is um, when is the deadline? So often the deadline for um, psychology programs or science programs are in um, December, November, and January. So what I did is that the previous January um, and November, I started researching all of these programs. And um, when I came up with a program that I wanted, I looked for um, the possible things that I could go into. So I wanted to become a clinical psychologist. And so I was really looking at clinical psychology programs. And then after what you want to do is you want to um, look at the application itself. So often with a science application, um, they require multiple different things. So they require an essay, which is basically a little bit about yourself, what you want to do um, once you get to that program, why you chose that specific program and the experiences that you already have that contribute to their program. And then the number two thing that they require is references. So these are often things from um, people that you worked with, so previous supervisors or um, labs that you volunteered in for like science or humanities programs. And the, these references usually have to be people that really know you well, that you've worked with and that you know and trust will get the things done on time and will be able to say something really good about you. So I wouldn't suggest getting it from a lab where you didn't get along with the professor or you weren't passionate about the research and that showed in your work. Um, and with these references, um, often programs require two or three academic references. Um, so you have to make sure to give them enough time to be able to finish their work and also um, get your reference done on time. So in psychology programs, especially at Guelph, what they um, suggest is to have, give at least two months notice so if your deadline was in November, you give the reference um, 
uh, you just quickly like, you know, um, send them an email in September and you say, I'm applying to this program. This is the deadline. And I'm wondering if you can give me a reference. And oftentimes professors, if they really like working with you, they'll do, they'll do the reference. Um, and then you give them that two month deadline and oftentimes they will get it in on time. And then um, the number three thing that you need to worry about is transcripts. So these are things that you need to often get sent from your original university, so that where you did your undergrad, to the graduate university, and it has to be sealed. So it has to be an official transcript, and they have to be in also by the deadline. So what I would do is um, a, a month or two before the deadline, get those sent out. And so now you have the three important things that you needed, then you have your application. So with applications, often in um, graduate programs in the sciences, um, they really want to see the research that you're interested in. And you often have to contact those supervisors beforehand. So if your deadline is in um, November, say, then you'd start um, contacting supervisors or um, possible supervisors in September. And so another thing that you really have to consider is start, start researching the supervisors in the program as well. So if there's, a, mm -hmm. if there's a supervisor doing a certain type of research that you're really interested in and that you wanna be a part of, um, you send them an email. Um, just It doesn't have to be a long one because supervisors often don't have time to um, read really long emails, but send them a quick email about where you graduated from um, what experiences you already have and what research you're interested in, how that research aligns with their research. And then you'd add your CV into it and you'd also add um, your transcript into it to see if they're interested. And so in your application, in your essay, you would suggest that professor. So often they, they require that you add in two or three possible professors that you would like to work with. And then you would mention how your research aligns with their research or your career goals around aligned with their research. And then the last thing that you have to work on is your CV. So this isn't a resume where you put in things like where you've worked part time um, or anything that's not related to the program that you're applying to. So say if you're applying to um, a program in chemistry, then you wouldn't put things in there such as you work as a barista at um, you know, Starbucks or something. You would put things like you being a research assistant or you've worked in organizations that have a background in doing chemical research. Um, and so those are the main components of your application. And throughout the year, you would be working on those. And then by the deadline, you would have to um, give those in. So that's the major, there's, that's the big process towards getting into graduate school or the general process that you would have to follow. Um, great insight. That was really, really helpful. So there's a few things that you came across. So one was um, funding. So how can you like secure your funding or like how can you know how to like where to look and basically how to get that done? Mm -hmm. So funding is a huge part of graduate studies because um, it allows you to be able to conduct your research while also be, being able to make a bit of money to um, keep yourself going while you're at school. Um, in Canada, there are multiple sources of funding. Um, so there would be NSERC, which is for um, engineers in the national science, uh, natural sciences. And then there's the um, social sciences and humanities scholarships that's also given by the government. 
And then there is also the Ontario Graduate Scholarship. So these are all types of um, external funding that you would apply for with the government. Um, but in, uh, often in their applications, they require a big thing called a research proposal. So oftentimes people who are going into graduate school have already done some type of undergraduate um, course in either research um, study, so an independent research project or an on honors thesis. And in these courses, they require you to create a research proposal. So um, find a gap in the research in the, pro in the research program that you're um, applying to. So say for me, um, I was applying to um, a program in clinical psych, but the lab that I was applying to was um, specifically oriented towards doing injury risk research in children. So I came up with a proposal for how to reduce um, uh, car crashes in adolescent children by reducing their um, engagement in risky driving behavior. So to create that research proposal, and that's a really big part of your application because they look at that to see how creative you are in terms of research, um, your ability to look at the literature and then come up with a gap and um, try to fill that gap using your own research knowledge. And they also look at the research experience that you have already. So with the research proposal, you really wanna start. So the deadlines for all of these external fundings are usually in November and December. Um, or early December and then early January. So what you want to do is you really want to create your start creating your research proposal um, during the summer of that year and um, really build it up to the point where you can possibly share it with a previous supervisor and get their input on it. And you want to create multiple drafts of this as well. And so research funding, Oftentimes what they say for first year master's students is because they have little research experience and um, often they don't get the input that they need on their research proposal. Sometimes you don't get it, but there are often times where the proposal is so good that they do give it to you. Um, and also in a lot of um, current programs in Canada, um, they have base levels of funding that they give to you once you enter the program. So even if you don't get a source of external funding from the government, you will be able to secure some type of funding from the university as well. So worrying about funding, I mean, it, do, it does have a little bit of an effect on your application just so that they know that you're trying to get some type of, type of external funding. Um, but it's not that much of a big deal to worry about because oftentimes you can go into the university and find a TA-ship or some type of internal funding that you can get from the university as well. That's like, an, that's amazing insight. So for, um, I just wanted to talk about like the funding, which you just mentioned a little bit. So it doesn't mm -hmm. make you less of a candidate if you didn't um, have any funding or like if you couldn't like secure any of that. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on the program. Once again, I know in science and humanities programs, oftentimes they, they ask you in your application if you applied for funding or secured funding. And sometimes um, a person who say has a little bit of ex more experience than you um, or the same level of experience than you, but they have secured a funding, they may get um, a greater chance of getting in just because of that funding. But oftentimes it's not that much of a deal breaker because they know that they have enough funding for you should you get in. Mm -hmm. um, so from the people that I've talked to and the graduate students I've discussed with, oftentimes first years don't usually get 
um, funding anyway. So it's not that much of a deal breaker, but you should definitely try to get funding. Send that application in, even getting that application in is a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, and it's a great practice because you will have to try to secure funding for your second and, and subsequent years. Um, but it's not, it's not that much of a deal breaker from, from what I know. Thank you for that. And that's great. Um, that's great to know. So for our other questions, I think you talked about like finding a professor and advisor. So how could you like find one if you're looking in like a master's that like you don't know any of the profs or like in a different mm -hmm. university or in a different program? That's a great question. So um, one of the big things that you do have to consider when you're going into a master's program is that there has to be a good fit between you and your supervisor. So you have to have similar research interests, or at least research interests that um, can sort of, you can collaborate between the two of you. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, Sorry. And so um, what I would suggest and what I was told to do is um, a couple of months before you send in your application, the best thing to do is look at your program and look at the labs that are in that program. So for my, for my program, there were five or six labs that I could apply to. And out of those five or six labs, I chose three professors whose research interests really aligned with mine. So the best thing to find a supervisor is you look at a couple of their articles um, and you try to find a way where your research can add to theirs or where you guys can collaborate to come up with research that both of you are really interested in. And then you formulate an email for them. So um, you attach your CV and your resume or CV, as I mentioned before. And then you also introduce yourself. So you say things like where you graduated from, um, what your undergraduate thesis was about, or your independent research was about, and um, what research experiences you may have gained. And that this shouldn't be really long. It should be like one small paragraph. And then you really need to talk about your research and what you want to do through your master's program. So for me, I said I wanted to work on injury risk research or risk behavior research. And so I combined that with the supervisors that I was applying to. And um, in the end, I just asked them if they were taking any new students. And oftentimes, there are um, five or six professors in the program, depending on how many individuals that they take, um, that are open to take students. So oftentimes, professors won't get back to you just because they have so many um so many different people coming in um but on their website also if you go on to the program's website they often tell you the supervisors that are taking new students and so you would cater your application to those supervisors and <coughs> sorry very few people um that i know of have secured a supervisor before they get into the program Oftentimes what happens is that you apply to that professor and if that professor finds your application um, really nice or really impressive, um, what they will do is they will um, secure an interview with you after um, applications have gone in and they've considered your application. And then you'd go forward um, to do an interview with them and see how the fit is even more. And if they consider you, you to be a good candidate for their um, lab or for their research, then they would also recommend you for admission. So it's a very long process, but um, the best way to find a supervisor in my experience is to do your research, um, send a couple of emails and see um, who's taking the students and if they're interested in um, possibly um, taking you on. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So for um, master's, I think there's um, two types. There's um, one that's class-based and one that's research. So let's say you want to do the class-based one and not the research one. Does that mean you have to find a professor or is it only for um, the research-based or the thesis-based one where you want to um, get like an advisor professor? And if you can't mm -hmm. find one before the deadline or of like admissions, does that lower your chance of getting in? Mm -hmm. So um, if we talk about the class-based one, I haven't really looked into a lot of class-based um, master's programs. And I don't think, to be honest, that there are very many. I think most master's programs, um, MA or MSc, are research-based. So um, when you go into a program, at least in the sciences and humanities, you should expect to be conducting some type of research. Um, because most times in academia, what they want to do is they want to not only send out um, good practitioners, so like good doctors, good um, engineers, architects, and the like. They also want to send out people who will add to the literature and who will add to the knowledge that's currently already there. Um, I think with class-based ones, you would apply and then see what happens. Um, even with them, I think they only take five or six people per year. Um, but I know with research programs, your chances of getting in really depend on the supervisor. So you're not only convincing the admissions committee, you are convincing the supervisor. Mm -hmm. So if you're unable, and most people are unable to secure a supervisor beforehand, very few people um, give their 100% yes, I'm gonna take you before the admissions process starts. So before the interviews um, start. Um, so even if you're unable to secure a supervisor, you will eventually be matched up with one because you're gonna to need to work in somebody's lab. So if you do get in, in most programs, you will be given a supervisor and advisor that you will be working with um, that has shown the best fit between you and their research. So, so basically people wouldn't really need to worry too much if, if they don't find like an advisor, like they could still have a chance of getting in? Yes, yes. And you mm -hmm. also talked about the GPA or like grades. So let's say you want to go into a program that's completely different from your um, undergrad one. Do they weigh your GPA different from the courses you take? Or is it just a certain GPA for that program to get in? Mm -hmm. So in a lot of programs, your undergrad GPA really matters, especially your last two years, because that's when you've sort of um, realized how university works and you've become comfortable with um, the assessment process that happens in university. Um, the problem with trying to apply in a different program than the one that you originally did your undergrad in is that the master's programs are very high level programs and they require a a level of base knowledge. So in psychology, say if I was in biology in my undergrad and I went into a psychology program in a master's, they would require some type of base level knowledge of theory and scientific research in psychology. So the chances of you getting into a program, and I'm only speaking um, for the programs that I know about, especially in the sciences and the social sciences, is that your chances of getting into a program that is different from yours is very low. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a great GPA, like I know people who have a 4.0 GPA who, um, you know, they did their undergrad in psychology and they want to go into a medical science program or into, um, 
you know, medical school, and they've been refused because they don't have the base level of knowledge that's required to pass the exams um, and to meet the requirements of that program. So say you did an undergraduate program in um, business and you wanna to apply to a psychology master's degree, what they would require for you to do is that they require you to do um, in an extra year or two in, in base level psychology um, courses. Mm -hmm. So you would be adding a couple of years to your degree before you could be even, even apply to a master's degree in psychology. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So for, um, let's say you're in science, but you wanna mm -hmm. do um, social science. So like you have to do mm -hmm. extra readings or extra courses or how yeah. would that work? Yeah, so like say you have a undergrad degree in biology and you wanna to apply to um, a program in social psychology, right? Mm -hmm. The people, the other applicants who are applying with you have a very, have very advanced level of knowledge in psychology compared to you. Mm -hmm. So even, even if your GPA is higher than theirs, your GPA is not necessarily higher in psychology courses. Mm -hmm. So what they require in um, admissions into psychology is you have to have at least an A minus average in psychology courses. And so if you haven't taken any psychology courses, you don't meet that requirement. Mm -hmm. So what you would be required in a lot of the programs in Ontario is that you'd be required to do another year or two of only psychology classes to be able to even be um, considered for that program. Mm -hmm. So at this point, when you're applying to a different program, sometimes your GPA doesn't matter as much as the base level of knowledge and the courses that you've taken in your undergrad. Mm -hmm. And also um, for the GPA, you said it's your last two years. So like third Often and time. fourth. Mm -hmm how do they um, usually take it? Is it like 10 courses? Like how many like courses and what is it usually? That varies per program. And oftentimes we're not really told how that's being weighed. I know for the University of Wealth, the way that they weigh your programs is that they take, I think the last two years worth of credits. So not necessarily like, so if you took three courses each semester in your last two years, that's not the only thing that's gonna be considered. It's gonna be five courses for the last two years of your, um, of your undergrad degree. <clears throat> so I think it, it often comes up to about 20 courses that they look at, um, but, they, but that's what they specifically focus on. Your other, your other GPA, your overall GPA is also considered. Um, so like last two years and your cumulative like G, uh, mm -hmm. GPA. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so can um, students also complete master's like part time if like they also need like more help and like funding? Hmm. I think um, funding oftentimes they based it on if you're a full time or a part time student. I think full time students are more likely to get funding than part time students are. But you can definitely do a master's program part-time. It depends on the program. I know a lot of programs don't like it when students do part-time because there's just so much work and extends the years that you have to do your degree. So if you're a part-time student in a master's degree, that's usually two years. It might take you three and a half, four years to complete the degree. 
Mm-hmm. And oftentimes supervisors are just not okay with that. So that's definitely something that you have to consider when you're applying to a program and when you're talking to a professor. So when you're introducing yourself to a professor and um, you're telling them about what you want to do, maybe in your email also talk about, I want to do my master's degree part-time. Is that okay with you? And mm-hmm. then if a professor's okay with it, they'll let you know. And if they're not, then you're going to have to find a different type of supervisor. And for the application process, um, does it change for like universities, graduate programs that you would like to apply to, like the process? Could you explain that a bit more? Um, yeah, sure. So like, your, like how would you know that your application is sufficient um, for applying to certain program, programs? Let's say you want to do um, sociology or like um, mm-hmm. politics or something similar mm-hmm. to that um, does the university went to and let's say your undergrad program if it was like nothing to do with um, sociology or any of that like how mm-hmm. how would you know um, like are your chances lower like how would you know like can I like still apply and still um, have like a chance of getting in? Mm-hmm. So it, that also really depends on if you've taken those, any of those courses in your undergrad degree. So you could say that I'm a political science student. I've done mostly political science courses, but I took a number of advanced and entry-level courses in sociology in my undergrad degree, and I found it really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so now I want to do a master's degree in sociology. In most programs, they will say that you at least have to have a certain level, a certain amount of courses in sociology to be able to apply. Um, And so that's what I would say that you should have at least um, a couple of courses for a second year and a couple of courses third and fourth year to even apply towards a sociology program. Um, Oftentimes, say if like you're in the same discipline, so if you're in psychology and you want to apply to sociology, they usually allow you to go through because the knowledge base is a around the same mm-hmm. or like if you're in a sociology program and you want to go into a social psychology program and you have a certain level of psychology courses that you have taken they'll usually let you through mm-hmm. um, but that once again varies from program to program and that's why it's so important to start doing your research early on so that you're prepared and you're a lot you've given yourself enough time to meet the requirements of that program so that once you get to the application process, you're not wondering if your if your um, application is sufficient enough to even go through. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that's really important to remember is that everybody who's applying is not gonna is thinking, oh, my application is not sufficient enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all like even right now, I know that my application is not as great as some other people's applications are that are currently mm-hmm. applying with me. So the important thing to do is that always like try your best, send the application in Mm -hmm. and you never know what happens. If you, if you get rejected, that means that there was something small in your application that they decided um, wasn't, you know, sufficient enough. And you can always email or call um, the admissions officers. And sometimes they can tell you what was missing in your application. Then you can work the next year or two to make that up. So it's always best to just give it a try and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about masters, how about if someone wants to continue to like PhD or like um, further in academia, like 
are there programs like do you have to do a master's then PhD or is there ones where you go straight to PhD and also again you have to be in it or can you like um, tailor out like can you have a master's in something else and then do a PhD in something else? Yeah so um, I think when it comes to PhD and master's um, it's really important to have um, a master's in what you're applying for a PhD for um, because it's such an advanced level of knowledge that I don't think an individual who has a say a master's degree in education can apply for a PhD in psychology. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that usually happens. Um, but there are a number of programs in Canada that do an accelerated process. So you go straight from your undergrad into either doing just a year of master's and then going straight into PhD. And I know a lot of industrial psychology programs are like that where you can just accelerate into going into your PhD program. Um, and there's also a lot of programs where there is no master. So there's something called the PsyD program. And that basically is you going from your undergraduate into a psychology um, postdoctor where you just get your psychological training and become a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So it really varies per program. And that's when, that's when it comes really important to talk about how long you really want to spend in university. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, like, for example, like me, I don't mind being in school for the next seven years of my life because mm -hmm. I really enjoy school. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't mind having to spend that extra time to get to the goal that I want. But it's totally okay if you don't want to spend seven years of your life in school. Mm -hmm. And for those people, I would definitely suggest look up programs where, you know, you can either skip that master's or only do one year's in master's and go straight into your PhD. Um, so those are definitely things to consider. And there are programs like that. It's just, um, it's just about researching about them and being open to applying to those programs and making the move and the necessary um, changes in your life to be able to apply to them. Mm -hmm. So let's say after you're done your master's and if you want to continue to PhD, like what are some careers or like what type of work can um, people work in? Is it limited to research? Um, definitely not. I think um, there's a lot of people like if you do your MBA, right, you can go and apply to um, becoming, um, you know, a finance analyst or those type of things. You don't have to go and do a PhD. Um, and I think PhD should only really be for those people who want, um, who are really into school and who want to gain that extra knowledge and do that extra step. Um, I know there's a lot of psychology programs where you can do a master's in counseling and become a psychotherapist without even having to do your PhD. Mm -hmm. It does take off of the amount of things that you're allowed to do. So psychotherapists aren't allowed to do clinical assessments and diagnostics, but they are part of the therapy process and they're a really important part of our mental health system. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of pro there are a lot of career paths where you can just do a master's and go straight into working. There are also a lot of career paths where you don't even have to do a master's. You can do an undergrad and go into your career. It really depends on what type of work you want to do and how long you're willing to stay in school. Mm -hmm. So that's all the questions we had. Are there any other um, comments that you would like to give or any other advice? Um, being in the position that I am now, I think it's just really important to stay patient with yourself. Um, even if you, if you don't currently have the requirements you need to get into a graduate program, and that's something you really want to do, don't give up. Spend the extra years getting those requirements, getting the experience you need to apply. Because if that's really something important to you, um, I think you, you should stay patient with it and, um, and keep trying. Mm 
Um, just to add on for like the process, when is like too early or like too late to like start looking into that like third year, like what year um, of undergrad or? I don't think it's ever too early to start looking. I started looking in my second year, I think. And even then there were some requirements that I had missed. So when I got to my third and fourth year, I was like, oh no, I don't have this. Um, I think it is too late to apply for the following year if you're say, if it's already January and they require you to have a certain level of experience to get in or a certain GPA to get in and your GPA isn't meeting that minimum, mm-hmm. then I think you should definitely wait another year. Um, but I don't think it's ever too late. I think people, there's always, there's never an extent to where you can stop getting knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if you're, even if you're like, you know, in your middle age or you're in your you know your old age and you want to go back to school I would suggest definitely doing it It just requires that extra couple of years to plan everything out and make sure that you're ready because Mm -hmm. with a lot of the testing that you also have to do to get into your um, undergrad because they often require something called a GRE Mm -hmm. um, which you have to do the general and a lot of programs require a subject one as well which is specific to that program Mm -hmm. Um, it it takes about six eight months just to prepare for that so I think you definitely should start a year in advance to start applying for graduate school and to think about the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you finish um, undergrad and then you start working, but you want to go back and like do a master's. Um, do they look at your like undergrad GPA or like let's say for um because some people do like MBAs or something but they studied science or like nothing related but they want to go back and get it so like how does that process work or like any other similar program Mm -hmm. um oftentimes what they do is that they do take your undergrad GPA so that's a definite requirement that they have Um, And a lot of people don't go straight from your undergrad to their master's degree. A lot of people do take a break in between just to like, you know, catch their breath and um, get a little bit of experience and a little bit of finances saved up so that they can, they can apply. Um, And so they will consider your, um, your GPA. But if you say did an MBA and now you're applying to um, a program in, you know, the natural sciences or whatever, um, and you've learned something very important from your MBA. You've learned something really important from the company that you worked in for a year while you were taking a break. You should definitely add that to your application because experience in one field doesn't necessarily mean that you can't apply that same experience in another field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should definitely put that in your application. Let them know that you did this and that you gave these type of skills and how it may apply. The important thing is applying it back to the program. So if you say, I've learned time management skills by working as a scheduler for a mental health association. Mm -hmm. And you can say, now I know how to plan my schedule well enough to succeed in school and also be able to, um, you know, live healthy. And you apply that into your essay, they will definitely consider that because you can always apply knowledge that you gain from one field into another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, um, thank you for answering that question. And I'm pretty sure all of um, this was really, really helpful for like everyone that's applying. So thank you for that and for your time. Mm-hmm. No worries. Um, any 
uh, anything else that you would like to add or like any um, motivation quotes, anything to like help people mm -hmm. applying right now? Um, for anybody applying right now, because that's me as well, I would definitely say um, everybody is just as scared as you are. Um, so don't feel the need to compete with other people. Um, I just met a whole bunch of girls um, who have applied the same year that I have. And yeah, we're all, you know, we're all competing for the same spots, but being able to talk to them and see how afraid that they were, even with the experiences that they had, it made me feel a bit better about how afraid I was and talking to people who are in the same boat as you are, or even who applied to the same program and you're competing for the same spots. Um, is a really good way to get the stress off of your shoulders and to even learn some new ways to maybe make your application or your CV a bit better for next year. So don't ever, um, you know, shy away from talking to the other applicants if you ever get the chance um, because you're scared that you'll share something that will make them a better applicant than you. Um, because at the end of the day, each of our applications are unique to who we are as people. And we all have certain areas where we're um, really strong and in certain areas where we're weak. And they consider the application as a whole. So um, go in being your own person and being your own unique self and um, hope for the best. And if it doesn't happen this year, then it'll happen another year for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. I love like the positivity and like always um, trying your best and to keep going for that mm -hmm. goal. And you said um, at the application is like, you as a full person which I really mm -hmm. like it's not just like um maybe uh, like the requirements you need but like mm -hmm. if you're a little less or not like fully in one area you might be doing really well in another area so like mm -hmm. not to like shy away and um still apply and mm -hmm. still like try for that yeah so I think that's a really important part of your application is what makes you unique, like what makes sets you apart from the other applicants. And oftentimes they really do consider that, like for in my application, um, and I don't know if I'll be accepted or not, I'll find out in the upcoming days, but I really talked about how my own, um, thank you, how my own cultural experiences shaped who I am as a person and why I wanted to go into clinical psychology. And I know for the, from the people that I interviewed or who I had interviews with, that was something that stuck with them. So really talk about what makes you an individual and be honest about the skills that you have. Um, because if you're dishonest about your, a certain skill that you got and you didn't actually gain that skill or you didn't work for that company, mm -hmm. it will come up in your interview and they will ask you about it. And that will really take you down as an applicant, possibly um, take you out of the running for the next years as well. So be mm -hmm. honest about who you are and people appreciate the personal things that you put in your application. Don't make it too personal, but really show them who you are as a person and why you're passionate about doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it will definitely be considered. Mm -hmm. um, interview process, I'm just a little bit curious about that because we've never mm -hmm. really heard about like um, master's programs doing interviews. So just mm -hmm. curious. Yeah, so most master's programs um, do do interviews they just want to make sure in your interview that you are who you are in person that you shared yourself to be on paper so when you write your personal statement you really tell about what you're wanting to do who you are as a person and the experiences that you've had so in your interview what they're really wanting to see is are you that same person and do you have those same passions or did is that something you just put on paper to be able to get in mm -hmm. um 
And so in my interviews, what I notice is that oftentimes they have your application open in front of them. And um, they're making sure that, you know, you, you're here for the reasons that you said you're here for. And they'll ask you certain questions um, to see if you're a good fit for their program. So for me, they were asking questions like, um, what are some of your greatest strengths? What are your greatest weaknesses? Why did you choose our program? And for because my program is so long, they wanted to make sure that I was committed to doing this um, the full seven years. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of applicants don't get interviews um, and the ones that are interviewed are not necessarily given admission as well. So in our program, about 160 applicants apply, um, 20 people get interviewed. And then out of that 20, about five or six people get chosen for admission that year. Mm -hmm. um, but getting into interviews is a huge um, indicator that you do have what it takes. It's just there might be something small in your application that's missing or somebody else had a bit more that, that you than you did. Um, so if you get an interview, that's a great indicator that you should be applying next year, even if you don't get in. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a great, uh, great point. Thank you for like letting us know about that. Um, so thank mm -hmm. you for answering all these questions and for your time again, we really appreciated it. And mm -hmm. if anyone has any questions or concerns, you can always email us and um, Maria could get back to you about any questions you may have. Mm -hmm.